0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to the show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I. Well, you're you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're gonna ask yourself is how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're gonna need a hosting site, and if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. Welcome to the Ten Twelve, the podcast that covers all ten teams in the Big Twelve Conference, soon to be fourteen. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. Man, the holidays are here, basically, and I'm I'm excited. I'm excited, and and with the holidays comes bowl season. Obviously, we'll have our bowl picks uh, coming up later this week. Daniel and Chris and I will make our last picks for the season. Wrap up the picks pods. Uh, we'll figure out the recap of next year, literally next year, because you know, yeah. Um, just as a, head, a heads up, we are taking next week off. There will be no Monday or Thursday episode next week. I'm going to be out of town. I'm not dealing with that. It's Christmas. It's New Year's. Whatever. Um, joining me today, we're giving Jamie the day off because it is, it's tough for her to get from the Iowa State games back home in a short span on Sundays. We're giving her the day off. Today... We are doing our our football season roundtable wrap-up. We're going to put a bow on this thing that was the 2021 Big 12 football season. Yes, we will touch on some of these soon-to-be Big 12 teams because, again, it's like we're engaged. They're basically part of the family. We bring them to family events. You know, we invite them along. We send them holiday cards. We buy them gifts. And while technically it's not, you know, official yet, like, we still got to sign to steal that deal, right? But We'll all get down the the aisle in a couple of years and and be good to go. But uh, I am not doing this alone, which at this point I'm sure you're like, thank God, as usual. Uh, Joining me as he does every Monday, my good friend Andy
0: Mitz. How's it going? I'm ready to wrap up this football season so we can dive headfirst into what is going to be a fantastic basketball season.
1: If that's not the most Kansas fan statement you've ever heard, I don't know. What is? Uh, I do have two other people joining us today, two other people from the Ten Twelve network as a whole. Uh, One half uh, between two Bears. Uh, You know him on Twitter as Matt Isbear. Uh, I will not use his actual last name to protect his identity. Uh, Matt. Don't
2: don't put my government out there. That's fine. Um, Yeah, sports are pretty fun. I'm also looking forward to basketball, but I would like to talk about the football season a little bit more.
1: Yes, Baylor one of those uh, rare teams that's enjoying both things right now. Pretty good, uh, yeah. That's yeah, not it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. I you know, uh, poor 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 Baylor fans right now. Uh, and joining us uh, for his very first time on the show, uh, we have had Albie on the show many times, part of our new Texas Tech podcast, uh, Tortillas and Takes. But we have not had one of his co-hosts on the show as before. Jeremy, am I? It's at Jeremy Dane on Twitter. So is it Jeremy Dane or do I do I go by the name that's currently popping up on this uh, on the Zoom? Do you want to give
3: it? You can give it a try. I want you to give it a try.
1: I'm gonna go with Galilin. Mm.
3: If, if phonetically speaking that's spot on so that's you. really good and that's how uh, i was
1: taught by my mother in, in early age to like sound things out and pronounce them go. the way they're spelled, which is also doesn't make sense in the english language but continue
3: which has been the ire of my entire existence um it is wrong unfortunately uh but i do appreciate the effort as always uh it's just gillen like dylan with a g um super sucks but hey unlike that super script- to be here, like you said, um, man, we're just thankful to be a part of the 1012 network now. alby's uh, this has been kind of a long time coming for us and such a great way to kind of see it manifest. Happy to squeeze here and at the end of y'all's long podcasting season, talk about kind of a wrap up this really exciting football season as it has been, um, even for tech fans kind of sitting in our pool, our warm pool of mediocrity. Uh, it's still exciting for a lot of reasons. So happy to be here,
1: swimming pool of mediocrity. Hey. You're going to a bowl game. You're going to a bowl game. What more can Texas Tech fans ask for? I mean, after the last decade. A lot. (laughs) You know, Philip, if
0: we did episode titles here, we have some really great ones. You know, it's a single bear adjacent for one, since we only have one half of the, you know, between two bears or warm pool of mediocrity. Those are some fantastic episodes.
2: I'm not sure why the pool has to be
1: warm, but that's okay.
0: I mean, cold cold pool? What's what's, that? Because they've been in it so long? I mean... (laughs) I don't know. I mean, you, you,
1: it the water can get cold even if there's people. Ah, this is a, this is. Yes. We thought we derailed all podcast of the conversations successfully derailed. Wow. Look, that people is my one job are. on
0: this podcast is to derail it as often as possible. So, mission accomplished. And
1: Andy, you, I mean, you are, I don't even know how many episodes you're on, but it's a perfect record. It's a perfect record. You are, it, it is, it is. All right. Um. So let's talk about this 2021 season for the Big 12, I just kind of without having to maybe dive into team specific, just as an overview of the conference, because we, we came into this season, you know, we had Big 12 media days, everybody's kumbaya, all this great, huzzah. And then like two weeks later, oh, OU and Texas are about to leave for the SEC, Um the world is burning down. Everyone is trying to abandon ship. No one gets to land on one. Uh, and then the Big 12 kind of is like, okay, well, we're all together because we have to be. Um, and we bring in four new teams that they are going to be coming into in the next couple of years. We're adding Houston, UCF, BYU, Cincinnati. If we go into this season into... The closest thing to 2007, I'm I'm still not at, like, this was 2007. Like, there's reasons that it was a wilder year than 2007, but, you know, in retrospect, I don't know. There's so many other things beyond just what happened on the field. I don't care. It was a wacky, wild, crazy football season. It It was an amazing one. We won't get another one like it, probably, for another... 14 years but that's fine. Hopefully, I mean well, none of us will be around at that point, but that's not the point. All right. Um so for the Big 12 itself, looking at the conference after this season that is now over because football is the thing that drives everything else. How do you think the Big 12 kind of came out of this and take this from you know the news that Oklahoma and Texas are leaving to where we sit right now. Where do you think the Big 12 kind of stands in where college football kind of is at this point? And let's see, uh, eeny, meeny, miny, Matt. Well, I'm not sure we had to call me Minnie, but that's fine. Um,
2: So this whole season was, and it showed mostly in the conference championship game. I don't know if you guys watched that. I did. Um, So look, everybody's going to say that this season was defined by the defenses. And I think that's completely fair, right? I think defensively, this conference got a lot of national respect but I think if you were being the cynic nationally, you could also say, "Well, which offense really stood out this year?" Right. So I think it's just a giant shrug emoji from from a national perspective. Really, what is this Big Twelve? They missed out on the on the playoff again. Um, so I, I I don't know that there was any really negative perception installed nationally, but I'm not sure there was any positive, you know, perception that was gained by by the national media or national fans or casual fans of the Big 12. Overall I thought it was a fantastically entertaining season. I might be a little biased in that, but seeing a different style kind of permeate through the conference was really it was it was nice for a change.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say that this year was probably just a big shrug. Like we came into the year with a lot of, you know, hope about the fact that both Oklahoma and Iowa State were considered to be potential contenders for the playoff Neither of them were able to make it, but we did see some, some of the depths of the conference kind of rise up and jump to the top of the conference, which has always been the biggest criticism, right, of the Big 12, is that in years where Oklahoma and Texas aren't good, there's nobody else who's good enough to be considered one of the elite. But Oklahoma State had an elite defense. Baylor had probably the most balanced team in the Big 12 throughout the course of the entire season. And both of those teams stepped up to be legitimately in the playoff conversation coming into the final couple weeks here. And it was just really a matter of, Other things happening to keep them out of it. You know, you also add in the fact that the the teams that are coming into the conference, especially in Cincinnati, being able to make it to the playoff and kind of adding that to their resume, that immediately gives them some legitimacy um, and kind of helps to soften the blow of Oklahoma and Texas leaving. It obviously doesn't completely mitigate it because when you lose two giant brands like that, it hurts your conference. But I think what, what ultimately, coming into the year, I think most people considered the Big 12 with Oklahoma and Texas to be the third strongest conference. Behind the SEC and the Big Ten, and I think coming out of this year, you're basically in the same in the same boat overall, top to bottom. The Big Twelve looking forward, even after all the changes happen, is probably slotting in at the third strongest conference. Yes, there was a big hubbub about how the Big Twelve is going to fall apart and it shouldn't be a power conference anymore and all that crap that was super media driven. But like looking objectively at it, like the Big Twelve is probably going to be just as strong from top to bottom after all the changes as they were before. And potentially even more with some additional bigger, bigger brands that could develop, you know, into legitimate power five type teams that people take seriously. So, um, I mean, I don't think really much has changed for the Big 12. It's different, yes, but I I don't know that it's inherently better or worse.
3: Completely agree with that. I think Eddie hits on it uh, pretty well saying about how losing texas and oklahoma i mean that's a big loss for the big 12 because what you're losing is you're losing a lot of national attention you're losing a lot of like the prestige you know texas year in and year out you know they're always gonna be back and so like there's this massive following continuously like they they just like self-generating optimism that generates money that generates all these things and so you lose two of your biggest cash cows you lose the two cash cows of the big 12 conference and so like you're not going to get that back i don't think without like to get back to that level of financial stability there is going to be a lot of tough conversations that bowls is going to have to start between media rights between a lot of vision casting for the future of the conference and things like that That it's just going to take years to get back to a state where we could say okay monetarily we are we are back where we were um, because that's you know that's what they pull now athletically it's interesting because there's so many different narratives that come into the restructuring of the big 12 Athletically, I think you're almost in a better spot, not only because you're bringing in more teams, but you're bringing in teams that are strong across the board with their athletics. Uh, Cincinnati, especially, the fact that they made it, they just kind of squoze, squoze,
2: squoze. That's
3: correct. <laughs> that's one of those hard ones. Uh, but they squoze themselves into the college football playoff. But that's a win for the future of the Big 12 because it shows like there's a legitimacy to the teams that we're bringing in, like like uh, I think Andy mentioned or whatever. Um, but just, you know, there's this it's gonna be good, but it's like, it's still not okay in a lot of areas and that is okay. Like this we weren't gonna come out ahead in this scenario, but I think we're set up for, it's kind of like a good launching point for a really high potential for the future.
0: Well, and I think to that effect, you know, it, it stabilizes the big 12 long enough that when the next shuffle happens, the big 12 has an opportunity to potentially grab a brand or two that could get them, you know, can can launch them forward. If, if the Pac-12 has a bunch of issues and a team like USC is trying to get out, the Big 12 becomes a potential landing spot. Not necessarily the best landing spot, but a potential landing spot depending on how everything goes, you know. Like, there's some, or there's possibly for, like, the Arizona schools. Things like that where you can bolster what the Big 12 has and make it one of the true, you know, power four conferences that everybody's worried about because once we get to four, there's a good chance they all leave. So, the Big 12, at the very least, hasn't gotten any worse, and have set themselves up well to be able to withstand whatever the next hit, whatever the next move is coming that's going to completely shift the landscape in, in college sports.
2: Andy, did you just report that Lincoln Riley's coming back to the Big 12?
0: That would be so hilarious if it actually happened, but no, unfortunately not. You heard it here first, guys. I wish I had that kind of poll that I could you know, say that that's what's happening. I mean, geographically, the Big 12 is
1: closer to the Pac-12 than the Big 10 is, so if they wanted to have proximity to... Anyways. Um, yeah, I think I think the point of there's positive takeaways and, and things that still have to be addressed is very valid. And I can break it down to a list of things. Positives are Oklahoma and Texas are still here, and your Big 12 title game didn't include either one. And not only did it not include either one, while Oklahoma and Texas were still here, both Oklahoma State and Baylor, arguably both had, were one loss away from not missing the playoff because of two losses, but just missing because Alabama got to beat Georgia and so all that crap happened, right? Because, like, let's be honest here. If if the uh, Baylor was a one-loss Big 12 champ, they're still going to probably get set out. Cincinnati's getting in. You're, you're not undefeated. It's just going to be that way. Same thing for Oklahoma State. I think the Big 12 was kind of in the bad spot because of Alabama. But your positive takeaway is... That's how close the Big 12 was to making the playoff and having a a Big 12 championship game without Oklahoma or Texas while they're still in the conference. So that's a positive for me. A positive as well. Again, Cincinnati getting in. Cincinnati's coming in. Houston having a really good season. And maybe that's a sign that Houston's, that Holgerson's getting things going at Houston. We'll see what happens next year as an indicator. BYU losing everything they did, including offensive coordinator, offensive line coach, quarterback, bouncing back for a 10-win season is a good indicator for big 12. So there's all these good indicators that say, Hey, big 12 is not like dead in the water. The, the foundation for what it's going to be built upon moving forward looks really solid. But again, you're right. There are some issues. You no, know, didn't actually get a playoff team in. Um, I could argue the recruiting rankings this year after Oklahoma and Texas, your top one was Oklahoma state at 25th, according to four to seven. That's the lowest top one of any of the power five conferences, right? Um, that is an indicator of there're still things to work towards. So and Matt to your point like yeah, I think defenses were the story of the Big 12 this year. I think they all rose up considerably well. There is a counterbalance to that to say it's not incorrect to say the quarterback play in the Big 12 stole, this year was stole the point right out awesome. of my mouth.
2: You're exactly right.
1: It wasn't it wasn't awesome. Like we I, I'm not I don't like the well, it's cause, oh, the Big 12 defenses are only good because the offenses are bad. I'm not playing that card. But there is some kernel of truth in that, that the Big 12 quarterback play this year was not great. That is an area that the Big 12 used to be just like top dog in. that They're going to have to figure out how to address now that the SEC can get quarterbacks that are really good. The Big 10, the top schools do it. And again, it's another area you say, how do we, or is there are schools that are going to be left once Oklahoma and Texas leave or to come in, you know, there's schools that are gonna be able to address this issue and start becoming a place where top quarterbacks want to go to help say, yeah, these defenses are good and look what they did to so-and-so.
2: I, I, I think you, you did the nail on the head with quarterback play. It, it wasn't that the quarterbacks were awful, but quarterbacks were also just limited from an explosive play standpoint. If you look at the leaderboards, a lot of the quarterbacks are really efficient. There were, a number of quarterbacks, almost all of them were above 60% completion, but none of them were hitting the massive play for the most part. So I, I think that has a lot to do with the defenses. And yeah, you, you can't say that the quarterback play was phenomenal in the big 12 this year, but it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad.
0: No. And, no. and no, honestly, I think part of the issue was the teams that had good to potentially, you know, borderline great quarterback play, had fairly bad offensive line play that really limited the potential for those for those quarterbacks. Whereas the teams that had fairly good offensive lines didn't have quarterbacks that were worth a darn in the games that they actually played well. So it, it, it was one of those things, there was a mismatch. There wasn't a team that had both a good offensive line and a good quarterback consistently throughout the year. And that really limited a lot of what they were doing. That helped the defenses, but obviously there was a lot of really good defenses that on their own were just good defenses as well. So it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of that whole, you know, some of column a, some of column B thing where yes, it was both, but there was just never really an opportunity for the offenses to put it together because there was always one piece that just happened to be missing in any particular, you know, possible game.
1: Yeah. Interesting note. Cause we love CFP graphs. Uh, the highest ranked big 12 passing offense per EPA was TCU, who was number six. And it's a pretty sizable drop until the next one. I think Oklahoma was 27th. The TCU's problem, of course, their offensive line was bad. Their defense couldn't stop anything. Um, you know, things were going on behind the scenes that obviously had an impact on TCU. Which leads me to the next topic I want to talk about. Um, TCU, Texas Tech, Jeremy, This is good. Uh, two of the schools that have new head coaches, as does Oklahoma, which we absolutely did not expect to have happen <laughs> this year. I'm going to set Oklahoma aside here because while we still don't know technically when they're leaving the big 12, you know, it's, it's now it's still 2025 air quotes, very large like styrofoam finger air quotes. If I could here uh, we all think it's going to be after this upcoming season, but for Texas tech and TCU two of the head coaches coming in, um, we've got, uh, Kansas with Live Gleibold who's be heading into year two. These are our newest guys that are on the block here. I mean, we could say Aranda, but I mean, this will be year three for him. So I'm going to leave him out for a minute. In the Big Twelve moving forward, TCU was a team that had been consistently decent. They were the third best recruiting team in the Big Twelve. Texas Tech is a team that we've seen be good in the past. How important or how how let me let me think of the right way I want to ask this. It's not a time with the Big Twelve in transition. You really want to have to swap out head coaches unless you feel like you absolutely have to if you're gonna make it through this successfully, right? Um looking at Kansas, Texas Tech, and TCU, I'm going to lump those all together. Who do you think currently sits as the team that made the right move at the right time?
3: Well, uh, I hate to be biased. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I will say that Joey McG- Coach McGuire was not on any of our radars early on. For us, it was Sonny Dykes we'd imagine Sonny Dykes would be coming back to Texas Tech. You know, his dad coached here for a very long time. Um, established Texas Tech as kind of like middle, upper level of the pack dog. Um, had this grit about him, very West Texas. And so it felt very true and real. And then it wasn't. And then we had a guy named Joey McGuire, which was kind of a famous Texas high school name. And so we were all like, oh, yeah, I don't know. You know, we were getting a lot of flack from the media um, for firing head coach, Oh, you know, Texas Texas five you know, they're right there at bowl game eligibility. You know, they could have done it. Why would they fire their head coach? All that jazz. Um, let me tell you why that was the smartest firing I think I've seen in college football. Um, Kirby Hokut has been the athletic director for Texas Tech, has been talking for a very long time about Texas Tech Elite. And one thing that Kirby Hoke is really good at doing uh is being an athletic director. Now, he's had a lot of miss, like a lot of like Missteps in his tenure that have that are really bad in a lot of different ways, with like scandals with the women's basketball team, with the women's softball team, um, mismanagement of a lot of different things. But the guy is very driven. And so when he fired Matt Wells mid-season after that Kansas State loss, which is the best loss of the season, best loss of the last decade for Texas Tech, um everybody was like, okay, who's next? And then Joey McGuire steps in, and immediately. We, McGuire is like, Hey, I wanted to be here. Cause I wanted to get ahead of early signing period. Like I want to be there for the early signing period. I want to get this thing turned around. And so we go from the, the, the facts are, is that we moved from somewhere like 80th in the rankings to, I think, you know, 35 or 39, whatever we are at now, uh, after the so- early signing period. And so this is a guy who's like, it, you step in and, you know, TCU didn't have his like a pool, um, uh, because Sunny Dykes got there a little later. But like, you know, this guy steps into Texas Tech, hires a whole new staff that's um, for Texas Tech, probably one of the strongest coaching staffs we've had in a long time uh, with a lot of really good recruiters. And that immediately showed up on the recruiting boards. And something that McGuire has said, like has immediately said in his presser, and I think Sonny Dog said something similar to it, which I think is just incredibly important for the layout of the 12 going forward, is that. The iron hot right now for the Big 12. With Texas and Oklahoma scooting out, nobody is the perennial favorite. So you have to, like, come in hard and fast and make the right moves right now to set yourself up for the best success in the field. It's like, if it's open. Like, there's a vacuum there. Somebody has to fill it. And so Hoka, head, you know, head thinking was like, okay, we've got to get somebody in here to start that process. I think McGuire has that energy, has that connectivity. Now he's, you know, Texas high school in the hall of fame coach in the coaching hall of fame. Like he's got all the momentum behind him, and let's know it. And I think there's been like this big showing of a lot of like higher tier recruits than Lubbock has gotten a long time. Uh, and so for me, it feels like Texas tech has the momentum behind what they do with that. Who knows that's an enigma, but right now it feels like Texas tech has the momentum to kind of swing into that upper echelon of what the next big 12 is going to be.
0: I'm, I'm going to go ahead and jump in here. One, because I think you all know who I'm going to stump for uh, but also, I just like the idea of, uh, you know, jumping in and taking Candace and Lance Leipold here and then making Matt have to uh, argue for Sonny Dykes and TCO. I just enjoy the schadenfreude of that idea. He, he doesn't have to. He I get, know he, he doesn't, but, every, you know, was... it, it is the next logical step, you know, that, that we have someone talking about each one. But no, um, I mean, I definitely agree that Joey McGuire is probably the biggest swing in terms of excitement from, you know, before to after. But if you look at what Lance Leipold has done already, having an abbreviated season, being able to turn around what is on this roster coming in on the very difficult circumstances of the, you know, trying to follow up a, a scandal of involving Les miles and Jeff long before, you know, Kansas hiring Travis Goff to be the athletic director, I think was a huge improvement for the entire athletic program. And then him handling what he did to get Lance Leibold in here, having a lot of options. And the fact that there were people that were thought of so highly in the coaching community that they wanted to come and rebuild Kansas. And you look at what he's actually done at Kansas. He's turned a lot of guys around. You saw very clear development of the players that were on this roster, something we have not seen at Kansas for at least eight years. Absolutely phenomenal. That is what he does. He takes those guys that aren't necessarily highly recruited and develops them, turns them into a very coherent a very consistent team that can surprise a lot of people and can start winning and start winning quickly. And so the fact that they did what they did this year and had that huge turnaround towards the end of the year, they identified a quarterback. You know, they have a whole bunch of things to, uh, to let you think that they have a lot of momentum going into the next year. They didn't lose a ton of guys in the transfer portal. They brought in some very talented guys in the transfer portal that have actually seen the field in the big 10 in other successful programs that are coming in, are going to fill very specific roles in what Kansas wants to do. So you can see the strategy, you can see the planning, you can see the roster building that Lance Leipold brings. That is going to make a huge difference. Yes. Kansas may not be able to get as high as a place like Texas tech, especially as quickly. But I think the the impact that Lance Leipold is going to have and the fact of just how far down Kansas was, to the fact that they can get up. I mean, th- there is a legitimate case you can make that, you know, definitely not this year coming up, but in within the next three years or so, you could make an argument that Kansas could jump up into the top third of the Big 12 if things go right, if they continue to develop, and he continues to bring in recruiting classes that fit what they need to build the kind of program that he wants.
3: Andy, 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 I am a massive Closet Leipold fan. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. I love that dude. Like when he came on to we came on to Kansas, I was just like, dang, could this be, I cannot tell you for how many years I've been saying, man, I just wish that Kansas would make that move to move out of the meme status, which I think they've really started to this year with the roster building and like the uh-huh. development that it's not like a, it's not like a joke. Like you gotta be afraid. Like Kansas put a lot of good teams kind of on their heels this season. And like, that's a sleeping giant, man. I love it.
2: So <clears throat> giving me the last option here got me thinking, you know, when you go through a messy breakup and you you kind of need that palate cleanser relationship that happens right after that, that rebound relationship that oh, happens, like, is this going? right? You need, everybody knows what I'm talking about <laughs> here, right? Kind of a, kind of a messy breakup with the Kingsbury. Are
1: we just, just going to say the rebound?
2: Yeah, the rebound. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, we're we're getting into basketball season. Kind of a messy breakup with Kingsbury at tech. Wells was a nice palate cleanser. Didn't didn't end well, but that was the rebound, right? You know, figured out what you actually wanted after I, Matt I, Wells.
1: I've never heard a better description of Matt Wells than vanilla ice cream to help you prepare <laughs> for the next bite. <laughs> exactly.
3: It's so yeah. true.
2: And then and then Kansas, you know, definitely a messy breakup, you know, a couple of them. Uh, but you, but you found out what you actually wanted, right? Player development with Texas Tech, it was high school recruiting, finding the players where not everybody is looking. Um, Baylor had the same thing, a couple of palate cleansers, ended very well, right? But then found out what you wanted. I feel like TCU is just now starting that process, right? Does Sonny Dykes really like invigorate? Like does this invigorate anybody? right? Is this, do you see this as like a long-term relationship happening? I, I, I just don't know what he brings to that TCU program that hasn't been there already. And, and I just, I don't obviously, you know, you're dating somebody opposite of your ex, right? An offensive minded coach versus a defensive minded. Right. But I just feel like they're a year or two behind the natural process that these other two teams are three teams, depending on how you want to look at it. Right. Um, and I, I feel the same way about Oklahoma as well, right? I don't, I could work out fine. The Venables, who knows, right? Might, might be fine, but does it really seem like it's going to be a long-term fit? I don't know. So the whole point is that TCU just feels like a year or two behind what these other schools did. Not that it's going to be a bad hire, not that it's going to end poorly, but it just doesn't feel like a long-term fit. So there you go.
1: What's interesting about grouping together OU, Texas Tech, and TCU is all three of them, to me, have a similar situation of, I don't think any of those head coaches, McGuire, Dykes, or Venables, are going to fail because of the staff that they put around themselves. There's not going to be any like, well, we got to get rid of these assistants. No. You can't pull a Tom Herman with the staff that you have put together at these schools. I have no—what does Sonny Dykes bring to Fort Worth? Rashad Samples and the staff he's put together. And frankly, Gillespie, the D.C., hired away from, this from Tulsa. I this think, is true. I think Dykes—and I look, I wouldn't have hired Dykes if he wasn't bringing half of his assistants with him from from SMU. Like— there are a lot of similarities between really digging into recruiting the state of texas between what texas tech has acquired has put together as their coaching staff and what tcu had put together as a coaching staff i see a lot of similarities and we are really going to make sure we just we have to recruit this state incredibly well and, and incredibly intelligently as well. Uh, and and Oklahoma, again, like, I don't know if Venables is going to be a head co- good head coach, but I look at the staff he's putting around him and Levy's stuff and how you feel about his offense, whether it's gimmicky or fake or whatever aside, he's put together a good staff around himself. So all three of these situations are very much like every single assistant on here is going to be a guy who gets a job if this all implodes. This all to me falls entirely on the shoulders of is this guy going to work as a head coach enough? When you brought Leipold into into Kansas, I felt like I trust Lance Leipold to do what he's going to do. With the other three, if McGuire fails, it's on McGuire. If if Dykes fails, it's on Dykes. And if Venables fire, fails, it's on Venables. And I get that that's the situation with any head coach, but I feel even more so because of the guys that they have surrounded themselves with.
2: Did any of the new coaches hire uh, a special teams coach with a stripper girlfriend? I'm just, I was just curious. That's all I was just, just couldn't. Could i be. mean
1: technically she's retired oh very the sorry. better question is did any of them bring in any assistant coaches that also happen to have a, exotic pets. A, a, an exotic pet i want to know about the exotic pets of the big 12 do you know what that's the big 12 now series i need is exotic pets of the big 12
0: oh my gosh yeah.
1: that'd be awesome
2: 30 for 30 uh <laughs> hold on let me come up with the title you guys vamp and i'll come up with the title.
1: okay we'll work on that um all right so i want to ask this question um I don't want to ask the question of who had the best season and who had the worst season, because you it's an easy argument to say Baylor had the best season, preseason pick number eight in the Big 12, wins the Big 12, giant massive shoot-up from last year, awesome season. Worst season, arguably, is Iowa State because of preseason expectations, and they finished 7-5, and five and they're going to play Clemson, but definitely not the bowl game that they thought they would be. That joke is not going to get old. I'm
0: really sorry, Iowa State fans, but it's just not... It's just funny. It's right there. It's By the way. That, fruit. That's really why we gave Jimmy the night off so we can make those kind of jokes without having feeling bad immediately about it. So. I mean, I, I I kind of do, but I kind of don't. Um here's the way
1: I want to present this. Looking at at everyone's seasons, who who had a season that makes you look at that team and say, they are set up for continued success or to to, to potentially be one of the teams that kind of takes the lead in the big 12 moving forward and who had a season that makes you concerned about them moving forward. And I think we can take the, if you want to include the teams that brought in a new head coach, that's fine. But I mean, to me, which are the programs you go, okay, I I have concerns about what their, what their existence is going to be like moving forward. And I, and I feel good about this team
0: moving forward because of what I saw this year. Andy. I mean, it's really easy for me to say Kansas because of the way that they ended the year, but I am going to kind of branch out a little bit because yes, while I do think that they have, a lot to look forward to in the next few years, especially when you kind of weight that against what they were previously. I mean, I'm having a hard time really thinking as anybody other than Baylor. I mean, Baylor under second, you know, second year head coach Aranda jumps to the top of the conference. Like the biggest question going, you know, in year one was with how bad that offense was. It was like, well, is Aranda going to be able to put together the staff that he needs to be able to fix issues that they have? Like that was the big question brought in the offensive coordinator from BYU. And all of a sudden they have a, a really good, even, you know, slightly inconsistent at times offense, but they took a huge step forward in the clearest issue that they had from the year prior. So I go into this offseason saying, if I look at Baylor and try to identify what their biggest weakness is, I am fairly confident that Aranda has already identified it already has a plan for how he's going to address it. And next year they're going to come back and coaching wise are going to be in a better position than they've ever been in. Whether it all comes together in terms of personnel playing the way they need to or, you know, someone else jumping up, that's who knows because there's a whole bunch of moving pieces there. But if I'm looking at a situation and I'm looking at a coaching staff and a team that I'm not worried about how well they're going to play next year, it has to be Baylor. They're the ones, I think, that have the brightest future at this point just because of the way everything went this year and that, that continued increase that we saw from year one to year two that looks like it's going to continue.
3: You know, I think and I'm trying to make sure this isn't Stockholm syndrome. But I think that Kansas State, um, I think that Kansas State is at the beginning of the year. I remember Albie, Dylan, and I were talking about you know, you know where we see certain teams at. And Kansas State was just like, man, I feel like it's not going to be good this year, not good. And they come out and they beat what is it, Stanford? And then they beat you know, Southern Illinois. But then they beat Nevada. And then they're playing Oklahoma State close. They're playing Oklahoma close. They're playing Iowa State close. It's like okay, we could probably irk out a win. Nah, they beat us. And they, then they beat then they went on this tear against TCU, Kansas, and West Virginia. Now, TCU and Kansas are kind of lower end of that. But then West Virginia, like, the team that they had an off year, but still like a really good team, you know? And so for Kansas State, when I'm looking at, you know, going ahead, sure, they're losing Kyler Kyle Thompson. But Will Howard is a very serviceable quarterback. Um, he's no Colin Klein by any standards. But I think Kansas State ball is just very fundamental, very – foundational football and if you have serviceable people at every and they do especially when you get into like their um a lot of their skill players and defense if you have serviceable players that's when like kansas state football shines and so i fight. feel like i feel fight. like they're... fight <laughs> stealing stealing from the cover three
0: Right, oh, yes. that, that, that's yeah.
1: immediately what I thought. It was like, uh oh, fight." You said nice things about Will Howard, and I was like, "I'm sorry, you, um, have you watched Will Howard play quarterback?" No. Adrian Martinez is transferring in from Nebraska for a reason.
3: Yeah, so okay, well then we can go that way too. I, no, you guys, I, you guys see the tape. I see the potential. That's, that's yes. I, I don't want I don't want to
2: put the point down entirely yeah. because Kansas State is always going to be seemingly from coach to coach always going to be solid right they're well, never I, going to be bottom three
1: one they, specific coach who was there for um decades to to this <laughs> <land>. exactly
2: yeah. <laughs> right it doesn't really seem to have that big Quarter <clears throat> play is going to be the absolute pivot point there if you get good adrian martinez hey you know can he replicate what skylar thompson did yeah potentially could he also replicate what Will Howard and Jaron Lewis tended to do last season? Yeah. Also potentially. Um, so I think there is a pivot point there. Yeah. If you're looking for the fluctuation team, that'd be Kansas state to me. Um, mm-hmm. But they, they absolutely have the infrastructure to be good.
0: Yeah. The one thing I will say, because honestly, if, if we're going the other way, Kansas state's probably the one I'm the most unsure of, because when you look at them this year, they have essentially one, standout player at a single position in Deuce Vaughn. He's the only guy you look at the roster and say, hey, that guy is really good. And if he was on any other team in the Big 12, he would have a lot of playing time. That's it. Skyler Thompson is a, a, like you said, a very serviceable quarterback. He does help to make that team go. But he himself probably is not anything special that's going to take the talent around him and elevate it. He just doesn't mess up like some of the other guys that they've had there. The problem I see with Kansas State is that they, they, they're essentially flat. That's all they have. They have that one blip in Deuce Fawn, which can be good. You're not going to have a lot of huge downswings, but it can also be bad in that you're not going to overcome a lot of things if things go wrong for you at all during the game. The, the whole Texas Tech game was a big outlier from what Kansas State usually does. Kansas State typically requires to either get up big early or stay in a game. If they get down early, it's really hard for them to come back from anything. Um, and so it's one of those it's against things, Oklahoma, yeah, yes, except for Oklahoma, but, but I think that's an entirely Oklahoma problem. So, um, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's so it's, it's one of those things where Kansas state, I think has the lowest margin for error just because of the way the roster is constructed and climate is definitely kind of trying to work on that. I'm not sure how successful he's going to be. Um, I think a lot of Kansas state fans just got so used to the, how steady Bill Snyder was. And, you know, we all have to remember the Ron Prince disaster that happened between Bill Snyder stints, you know? So like it, it is a very tenuous circumstance for them. If things aren't going well, that it can fall off a cliff pretty fast. They were lucky to find a guy in climate. that's a lot very similar to the way that Bill Snyder likes to play. And so they've been able to hold it steady. The question is how long is that sustainable in a ever changing big 12? And like, th- that's why I would be worried about them because there's nobody really that jumps out to me as a, you know, a team that is diving and, and falling and hasn't made some sort of large correction to try to take care of it, except for one other team. But I feel like someone else is going to want to talk about it's, that when we get there.
2: I, I didn't want to say anything. It's it's kind of rude. I didn't want to.
0: Yes, you did. Don't lie.
2: Okay. That's a really old defense in Stillwater. <clears throat> and a lot of them aren't coming back. Dot, dot, dot. Question mark. Philip?
0: Yeah. Uh, that's um, not where I thought you were going to go, by the way.
2: Oh, Yeah. I was actually going to be uh, positive I, I
1: will about the say other burnt orange team. Uh, so I the one of the reasons I have Kansas State where I have them is I look they've never been able to recruit all that well in Kansas State. <clears throat> Honestly, they they haven't. It's it's a tough place to get players to. It doesn't have you know you use the the, the Bud Elliott like thirty mile radius. That's not like there's a wealth of talent around them. But he's been this going to be year four, and they were ranked fifty ninth nationally, and even including the new Big Twelve teams coming in. They ranked like third to last the Big Twelve. A little bit of concern, and the other two below them are TCU and Kansas. And I mean, I'm, mm. I'm not gonna, you know, it's Kansas and TCU is going through what they're dealing with. Like I, the quarterback Skyler, they've had Skyler Thompson. They haven't really been able to do anything without him. I think Aaliyah Martinez is a nice one year stopgap. Can they find and develop a quarterback? I know that it's hard to recruit to Kansas State, but those that's not a great spot to be in. I would expect more from him by this year, having been there as long as they have. I know injuries have been an issue for Kansas State, and they just seem to have whatever, enough Bill Snyder magic. But I can't help but wonder if some of that Bill Snyder magic is starting to slowly fade away as he gets further
0: and further away from the program. Well, and Philip, to your point about quarterbacks, right— Kansas State has not had a quarterback that they've recruited that is super talented that you look at and it's like, hey, that's that that's a quarterback that could be a star. You know, they've had guys that can kind of hold the line. Even Kansas has recruited guys that have a lot of talent that have an opportunity. You look at all of the Kansas transfer quarterbacks that went to places like Virginia Tech or other places and had phenomenal breakout years. You know, when they went to another program, Kansas' issue was that their offensive line was complete trash for so long, so they were able to still recruit great quarterback or good quarterbacks that could have great seasons. They just weren't able to do anything at Kansas because of the offensive line. Kansas state hasn't shown the ability to recruit a quarterback, which is something that you have to have, especially in a, in a conference like the big 12, which is now swinging up on the, on, on the defensive end. So that's where I think my biggest worry would be with a Kansas state team is that they have to show that they can recruit at a high level at those key positions that are going to allow them to take that step forward and compete at the top of the conference.
1: Okay, so now to match point on Oklahoma State. Um, Yes, it is an older defense. It's been there for a very long time. A lot of them have been playing since they were freshmen and sophomores, when when Jim Knowles got there. Um, So that is a very valid point. This is the most talented that Oklahoma State's roster, from a a recruiting ranking standpoint, has been. I think the entire time of Mike Gundy's tenure, not counting like having a Justin Blackman or having a, a Whedon show up because he's a former baseball player who's old, like. This is the most talented the roster has been. They are recruiting the best they have recruited in a very, very long time. The two highest rated classes of the Mike Gundy era are this year's and last year's. So the talent is not going to be an issue. Um, uh, yes, losing all that on defense, you're going to see a dip next year. We knew that was coming anyways. But the the question is going to be this. I'm holding judgment on... If if Jim Knowles was still there, they're fine. Um, the The, the question I hold is who is the next DC and how long of a leash does Casey Dunn get his OC? Because look, everyone's going to have a point where it all falls apart. We saw that with Gary Patterson at TCU. We've seen it cross football. You, You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. It's the, it's the reality of everything in life, including sports. Gary saw his point. Gundy has not yet. Is this, Was this Gundy's, uh, what was it, the 2017 season for TCU where they made the Big 12 title game and then it was all bad after that? Is this that for Gundy? Is this the high point and it's all downhill? I don't know. Um, I kind of, for them, the talent's there. Again, the the talent was there for TCU. Similar situation. They were recruiting really well, but it didn't pan out. I need to see what he does with the coaching staff next in this offseason before I hold full judgment on Gundy and OSU moving forward because the, the potential is there for them to continue to be one of the top teams. I just I need to know what happens to confirm that. So I'm not gonna say OSU. Now the Baylor is the obvious one moving forward. I do think they're set up. I, I really do. Texas is leaving, so I'm not gonna put a lot into them. I'm gonna I'm gonna curb all this and be like, I think Cincinnati's going to be one of the few teams TCU and West Virginia took two years to really get things figured out when they got to big 12. I think Cincinnati, as long as fickle as the head coach has the absolute potential to not see a big dip when they get to the big 12 play. Whereas I think BYU Houston and UCF will, I think they're going to need a couple of years The way Cincinnati is going to continue to recruit, the way he has that system set up, the talent they have on that coaching staff, I actually think Cincinnati has the best potential to get into the league and start competing very, very quickly, like year one, year two, as opposed to the others, which are going to need at least until year three to start really putting together some quality seasons in Big 12 play and getting their their rosters up to par.
0: I might argue with you on BYU, just because BYU does play a national schedule. They have a very... Um, long tenured the Big Twelve I, and, ain't the Pac twelve Andy no and I Pac- understand that and, and of course you know Baylor playing or BYU playing at Baylor you know I mean they were they were out of that game for a good portion of they were to come back I do think it's definitely a steeper curve for a team like BYU compared to Cincinnati but I do think that they at least have the possibility to not take a big step back um, if if I was to pick one team it's definitely Cincinnati I think again BYU has a chance. Um, I just don't think it's going to be nearly as drastic for them as it is for someone like Houston or UCF.
3: So I'm with you, Andy. BYU is BYU's not going to have as big a dip as, and yeah, if we're picking one, it's Cincinnati. I mean, you you have the, the the entire like you are the Cinderella, and everybody loves that. Like everybody's looking at Cincinnati now as like you can do that. They're they're basically doing what Notre Dame has been trying to do forever, although albeit being an independent, like get into the college football playoff and like get that national recognition now what they do with that is going to be the exciting thing you know are they able to squeak one pass and get to that final game or do they at least make it a really like a really you know not like Oklahoma's getting there and then getting Mollywalked by an SEC team and as Big 12 fans we just got kind of to sit there and go oh god okay maybe next year um, but to, what does Cincinnati do with that and so it's really exciting to think about I mean what's coming up in the Big 12 but I'm interested to see what that exchange is going to be like, because, you know, when we think about what is the DNA of the big 12, and this that's why I've kind of been mulling on for a bit when we were talking earlier about, you know, this year has been like the, the narrative of defenses in the big 12, even though everybody likes to give, you know, talk smack about big 12 defenses. Um, but there's been a lot of really good defenses in the big 12 across the board this year. You know, what is the DNA going forward for the big 12? Uh, it's not necessarily just, you know, run and gun air raid. All Everybody's thrown down the field all the time. And just kind of giving up these massive point games. You know, what does that look like going forward? And how do teams like BYU, like Cincinnati, like UCF, like Houston, how do they just – do they squeak in and have to adjust? Or do they squeak in and kind of add to this new identity of what the Big 12 is going to be? Does that kind of make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know who's actually set for success? Every school who has apparel on home field apparel. Because home field magic is real. You know, even if the Bill Snyder magic is fading away from from Kansas State – Homefill Magic does not fade away. It never fades. It never goes out of style because it's vintage and classic. And the most comfortable t shirts, sweaters, and hoodies you will find absolutely anywhere. And they have a ton of Big 12 schools Oklahoma State, Baylor, Texas Tech, uh, West Virginia, I think I said Texas, Iowa State, future Big 12 schools, Houston, BYU, and uh, UCF, hopeful lineups. They added a Cincinnati shirt. because Cincinnati made the playoff, which tells you they've got more Cincinnati coming. The Cincinnati shirt is awesome. Can't wait to see what else they have. So, if you want a little bit of home field magic for your school for the basketball season, um, I can't promise anything's going to get there in time for your school's bowl game because, you know, it is the 20th. Christmas is in five days, Um, and if you think things are going to get to you within five days with the way shipping is working nowadays, (laughs) you must be new here. So, anyways... Here's a couple things you can do. You can buy a gift card for someone on your holiday shopping list so they can pick out whatever great stuff on Homefield Apparel that they want. They have gift cards available or just buy for yourself or take a picture and put it and be like this is what's coming because they're going to be excited about the incredibly comfortable sweaters, hoodies, t-shirts and joggers with the amazing vintage college sports logos that are on them. Go to Homefield Apparel, use the promo code NETWORK12, N E T W O R K 1 2 and get 15% off your first order. All orders of $100 or more get free shipping because I don't know anybody who goes to Home building and goes, "I want one thing." Like, no, you don't. You, you've then you didn't look hard enough. You saw one shirt and checked out like an idiot. Who goes does find something awesome? Is like, I don't want to see anything else from you. It's like, what do you, well. Okay, order the same thing every time for lunch. All right, homefieldapparel.com. Do follow them on Twitter. They are the brand. They are fantastic. Don't forget the promo code is Network12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K 12, 15% off your first order. Be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel you have ever seen or worn this college basketball season.
0: Welcome one, welcome all. And yes, I want you to be listening to the Tortillas and Takes podcast presented by 1012 Network. If you are a fan that is of a team that has 12 wins, going to the national championships every year, that just loves to talk about all the success that your program has had, well, then you're probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you are a fan that just likes to really be in it every week and and really have a real good shot at winning it, you're also probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you have really high highs and really low lows and really drink quite a bit, you might be a Texas Tech fan. So come along and party with us here at Tortillas and Takes. We're going to sit back, crack open a cold one, eat some tortillas. And as, and as always, we're going to stay wrecked, people.
1: Okay. Um, I had a question. I had one I wanted to do. When all you in Texas leave, whenever that comes, I really want to, I, I'm really curious, like, is the league going to be, is the conference going to be okay? Like, honestly, like, I, as let's let's take our Big 12 fandom aside. Um, let's take our, we want to call Stu Mandel and a hole aside uh, because of all the <laughs> stuff they wrote in the month of September about how you
2: guys are you pe- peons.
1: Like, look, the big 12 is not going to have an Alabama, a Clemson, uh, an Ohio state, uh, even a, a, a USC. That's a huge brand. That's down all the time. You know, our, we won't have a Texas anymore. Um, we're not going to have that program, even with the four coming in, even with Cincinnati's playoff events, we just, we just aren't going to have that. And, And that matters. And we could talk about the depth of the Big 12 being significantly better than the depth of the Pac-12 and the depth of the ACC. And that is all true. Absolutely. But until the playoff expands, we're going to struggle with the fact that that is all that anybody, that's all the national media care about. Even though we all know that if you actually like college football, you, you do enjoy the fact that there are an insane number of bowl games because you will pick whichever ones you want. Enjoy the smorgasbord that is set out in front of you. Where do you honestly, just as somebody who is looking at the big 12 from as neutral perspective as you can, where do you, where do you think the big 12 sits? Are we good? Are we healthy? Is everything going to be fine? Or is this going to be a, a, a situation where everyone's still just waiting for an opportunity to jump ship? They're all just kind of banded together for right now.
2: I, I think if there, <clears throat> we would have seen signs that people are wanting to jump ship a lot earlier than now. Instead, the Big 12 is reaching out and pulling in really big brands to strengthen itself. So I unfortunately have to give Bob Bullsby some credit here because he pulled in schools that represent um, like the fourth largest city in the nation, uh, the largest student population in the nation, um, a, a fantastic established football program in Cincinnati, oh, and an entire religion. Uh, so I think... <laughs> Look, is it going to be the same? No, but it's going to be fine. It's going to be different. I don't know that you'll get as much national shine when, you know, you're not seeing Texas lose to Kansas or Oklahoma almost blow it against an inferior opponent. But is that really the national media that you want anyway, seeing Oklahoma get blown out by LSU by 50 points? I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't think a ton is going to change. Uh, in the end, it's just going to look different. Well, and, and the money will the money will change a little bit, but I don't I don't think from a fan mm-hmm. perspective or a respect perspective, it's going to change terribly.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and really, that's the thing. Like, that's not going to change, right? If the Big Twelve gets a team in the in the college football playoff, there's a better chance than not that they're going to get blown out by fifty by an SEC school. Like, regardless whether it's Oklahoma and Texas going, or it's Iowa State or Baylor or any other number of Big Twelve schools that make it, um, like. You look at a, at a conference like the ACC, and you look at Clemson. Clemson's the only program that anybody gives any respect to, and they are new money when it comes to college football, right? The only reason they are respected the way they are is because they have had one coach in Dallas-Sweeney who has absolutely killed it, has found the perfect situation, the perfect type of recruits, and this year shows that, yes, like, he had a nice run, but is that going to last forever? Like I was a, just about to say, yeah. he may
2: not be new money for much longer. Right,
0: like, there's a lot of things that didn't pan out for him this year that he's used to panning out and the way that he does things is not the way that college football works anymore he is notorious about not wanting to take transfers you know about um kind of the way that he sets up his program for the long view and not able to pivot pretty quickly and so it's one of those things and he oh yeah by the way he also just basically lost his entire coaching staff because they all went other places like there is a very realistic shot that Clemson does not recover in the next few years. And then the ACC has absolutely no respect from anybody because nobody gave Wake Forest. Uh, you know, nobody gave Pittsburgh the time of day for the entire year. And and when they face off in, in their ACC championship game, honestly, it was like a big shrug from the national media. And and the PAC 12 is even worse. So like, you know, the big 12, like I said, at the beginning, they were the third best power conference before Oklahoma and Texas left. They're going to be the third best power conference afterwards like the only way that someone from the big 12 jumps is if they get an invite from the big 10 or the sec. And that was always going to be the case. No matter what you do now, if the big 10 or the sec invite your school, you listen, you probably go and there's nothing that anybody can do about
3: it. Fully agree.
0: I didn't realize I was going <laughs> to shut the podcast down. Sorry guys.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, Two facts. Speaking facts, Andy. Uh,
0: yeah,
1: no. And, and look, I, I think it's, it's almost like, in your point, Matt, on do we really want the, the national perspective be on, ha-ha, look at what Texas and Oklahoma did. Does this set the Big 12 up for more opportunity to shine and less opportunity to fall on its face if people aren't looking and waiting for your top teams to do things like OU and Texas do on a regular basis, whereas because of the, the mindset that be had nationally toward the Big 12, you're going to end up having more opportunities to show how much better you are than people think than you will ha! <laughs> look at what that that team everyone thinks is good did we all love watching teams that are supposed to be awesome look like crap
2: I, I'd rather have good football teams and well run organizations than teams that sell a whole bunch of t-shirts mm-hmm. that's just my opinion
1: mm-hmm. well I mean home field we, we want everyone yeah, yeah, to yeah, well t- I'm sorry right. Walmart, different. T-shirts. That's, 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 <laughs> uh, Walmart t-shirts that's not home field t-shirts
2: yeah yeah um, um, Walmart, Walmart, Walmart Walmart t-shirts fans. Yeah,
1: yeah Walmart fans yeah <laughs> Um, all right. I, I want, I don't want this to go too long. You know, I, I want to make sure we have time for a couple of things. So first off, you know, this is a football conversation. And I want to get back to football in just a minute, but I do think the conversation I I keep loving having about the new look Big 12 is it's all in football. It's football. It's football. It's football. The Big 12 and the Pac-12 have a very, have real similarity in the fact that they like to have as a conference, well-rounded athletic departments. I think most of the Big 12, the teams in this conference Yes, it's very football centric, but it's not to the SEC level or, you know, Clemson who is football gets all the money and the rest of you peons just be happy we even let you still be around here. We have to because of Title IX. The Big 12 feels like a large number, at least the ones left over, a large number of schools who prioritize being well-rounded athletic departments who are good at multiple things. So looking at the new Big 12, with Houston coming in, Cincinnati coming in, BYU coming in, and and yes, UCF, who I think is very much a football school who plays other sports and will be the only the the most of that in the big 12 moving forward but basketball in the big 12 is going to be whoo, buddy and if you don't think it's already freaking awesome from top to bottom and insane and crazy houston with kelvin sampson a damn good team. a damn, And we're, I'm focusing on the men's side right now um, because I, I, no disservice to the women's at all right now. I just, I, this is a this is a men's basketball conversation at the moment, although there's going to be some good women's teams coming in. But Kelvin Sampson at Houston, hello. Uh, Cincinnati has been really good and looks like they're going to be able to rebound with this new head coach. Uh, BYU is a solid, consistently solid program you're bringing in as well. I believe it was Kim Palm rankings that showed the Big 12 has been the best men's basketball conference, period. If you take out Oklahoma and Texas and add the new four teams in while the gap between one and two shrinks, the big 12 is still number one. That's, I got, I got a little tingly and, I, and I, I'm not a tear, but you know, mm. I'm, I'm finding
2: it hard to believe that the big 12 isn't a better basketball conference with those teams added. it. I, I mean, completely honest, o- Oklahoma has been totally fine, but aside from the buddy healed year, when have they been notable? Um, I I really like Porter Moser. uh, So it'll be interesting to see what they do there. But, uh, you know, Chris Beard, of course, has potential. So moving forward, maybe. But with the way the programs are right now and the way the programs at BYU and Houston are right now, it absolutely becomes a better basketball conference in the short term, for sure, in my opinion.
0: Well, you're right. Remember that the way that they do that, typically it's whatever team is expected to go 500 in the conference. Like that's the way that they actually wait that. Um, it's also kind of one of those things where Texas is such a good team right now, according to Ken Palm, um, that you know it's going to drag you down if you lose them in, in that fashion. So it, it is understandable why that would happen, but it's definitely one of those things where if I'm looking forward, I I am in a much I, I'm much happier with the four that are coming in and losing the two that are leaving than worried about trying to hold on to them in terms of the longevity of the conference and the conference maintaining its spot as the best basketball conference hands down in the last decade.
3: And I've been, I have been—I get caught up looking at all the Ken and stuff like that. This is super exciting just to, I mean, love football, love football, came to college, played football, but I become such a big basketball fan being in the big 12. And that speaks a lot for a Texas Tech fan coming out of, golly, just terrible into the Tubby Smith era. And then we had the Chris Beard era. And then now it's the Mark Adams era. That just watching kind of Big Twelve basketball, and it's always been good at different spots. Kansas has always been perennial. Iowa State has been really good, and then other teams have had kind of ebb like and flow. But we're we're really in this like upswing of like all of these teams. Iowa State, especially this year, outperforming expectations. Um, I mean, just feel like everybody's kind of on this upswing. TCU even is looking good, which is a surprise. Um, that there is just like. There's a lot of momentum and the, the joy there I think for Big 12 fans as a whole is that you have the national media that focuses on, oh, man, Oklahoma and Texas are out. Big 12 sucks. But in reality, like the product that's being put out there and basketball for sure is that, no, not at all. Like you leaving does really nothing for us. In fact, we're getting more exciting basketball coming in um, without like this, like Houston is a tremendous. Kelvin Sampson is one of the best basketball coaches right now like tremendous head coach and the fact that they're coming and joining an elite squad of head coaches already. Like there's just, uh, it's, it's just, it's exciting. I don't know what else you can really say about it besides that we're going to be okay for a long time. I feel like there are really deep roots, especially with Porter Moser, uh, not not Porter Moser. Um, <laughs> He's leaving. Um, Iowa State's head coach. Really.
0: Oscar, Oscar. Oscar. Yep.
3: Yeah. Um, like there's really good roots that are being planted even in like in the coaching transition. So I've just, I have no qual, I have no fears of qual- the future of big 12 basketball. No fear at all. Like it's going to be good for a long time.
0: Yeah. Jeremy, I, I think the only things left to say are probably not safe for work. So Philip probably doesn't want them on the podcast. So we'll just leave it there.
1: There we go. There we go. The only, honestly, the, 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 the biggest thing I think for the men's side is you're losing two teams that are often viewed as like quality programs but it's not just who you're adding like internally Baylor has now become a national yeah. power. So with the teams you were retaining, you already had Kansas. Now Baylor has risen up into this top tier program. And so with your, again, what you're losing is not like, it's like, okay, like we're losing two teams who have been perennial outside of a few years, like middle of the pack, upper middle, Whereas opposed to you're keeping Kansas and now Baylor's on the rise. You're keeping Baylor and you're adding in quality, I, I think the men's basketball side is going to be perfectly fine. And the women's is too. I mean, I, again, Texas, I think, is on the rise, but you you will see what Baylor does. Oklahoma's been down for a long while. Speaking of on the rise, a share of Baylor is still a pretty good investment at Symbol, the stock market for sports. Because, look, they were a good payout this year. I mean, they only lost two games. That's a lot of payouts. My Kansas my Kansas State share were, were fine, but they weren't the Baylor share and I had to get it late okay now here's the question do you do you think that Baylor is going to beat Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl because if you do you should go ahead and get your share of them now and and hang on to it heading into the next college football season I mean why wait why wait till the offseason if you think you can get a payout from Baylor share or an Oklahoma State share, or a share from any of the Big 12 teams in a bowl game this season, then why not go ahead and make that purchase now? And when you do, when you sign up for Symbol, when you make that first deposit, make sure and use the promo code NETWORK12. N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2 when you make that initial deposit. Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to be signed up for a money-back guarantee. Here's how it works. Symbol is offering a money-back guarantee to all the listeners of the 1012 Podcast and the 1012 Network. That money-back guarantee means that even if you lose money in the first 90 days or you just don't like it, change your mind, no worries, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked, up to $500. dollars Let me repeat that. When you sign up at Symbol.com, S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com and use the promo code Network12, your initial deposit, We'll have a money-back guarantee up to $500 within the first 90 days. It's the perfect opportunity. It's risk-free. It's a great way to test it out. So go to symbol.com. See what you think. Maybe you want to get into NHL. Maybe you want to play an NBA. You have still plenty of uh, NFL games to to, to buy in on. So symbol.com, promo code NETWORK12, money-back guarantee. Go check it out. I think you're going to like it.
2: Hey there, 1012 Network listeners, this is Dustin from the Scott Noman Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast,
3: and the latest member of the 1012 Network, uh, my co-host Sam. Do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott Noman Podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So
2: be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast
1: P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. All right. I want to wrap on this. I want to wrap on a fun topic. This is I've been excited for this one. All right, guys. You name whatever ones you want. We keep this as uh, we'll build out a list to what we kind of decide are the games. I'm trying to remember every single one. But what were the best games, the Big 12 in football this season? What do you get what, do you, what is on your top three, top five list that if we look back at twenty twenty one, those are the games
0: that are going to have really either defined the season, the ones that help make it so memorable in the Big Twelve? Come on, I gotta throw it out. Kansas over Texas. Come on. Oh I mean, yeah. That's like, like the top yeah. of everyone's yeah. no, actually, or at least number Never two won. on everyone's list. Yeah. <laughs> Agree? Okay. Uh <sighs> it it would be
2: cliche to take the Big Twelve championship game. In all honesty, the offensive efforts from both teams, one due to injury, it wasn't great. It wasn't fantastic. It ended with fireworks. Um, I I really think, honestly, that Kansas-Oklahoma game was really, really good. Um, I think uh, the Iowa State-Texas Tech game was fantastic with the 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 Garibay field goal I mean that's really up there for me that was one really stupid day of football if you remember I think that was the same day as the Kansas Texas game
0: that was that was the Baylor over Oklahoma game to yeah, start the, the day Baylor. off which was a little bit of crazy right but like not completely unexpected following right. it up by the absolutely insane 62 yard field goal uh for Texas Tech to upset Iowa State and at that point I was just like okay this day is pure insanity Please, Kansas, finish it off, and of it's, course they it, did by. Yep. yeah, yeah. All of awesome. the
2: stupid stars are aligning. This can absolutely happen. Yeah, and it, it <laughs> certainly did. So maybe I, I would just like to nominate that day. Yeah, that, I, was gonna that say, I think game. that
0: day just wins the award, Philip.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: That's that's fair. That's
1: fair. Uh, I'm gonna be biased, but I'm putting Bedlam in. Um, yeah,
2: oh, I, I, I rewatched how did it on TV.
1: Oh, I, I will never <laughs> that, that. was once. wild. Uh, to the day I die, I will be showing my girls, like, all right, I'm going to show you this is the game that your mother and I, hey, new baby, you were at this game in your mom's tummy. She climbed down on the field with me, which was insane, <laughs> but we did that. Uh, I will never forget that game. That game was awesome. Um, I'm going to be honest the OU Texas game, Texas gets massive lead for all, like, haha, OU Texas. And then set the first of many second half collapses for Texas <laughs> that became their whole story for like six weeks in a row. It's like, we've got a lead not anymore. Uh, and then Texas would lose. Like, I think that game was like uh, realizing what happened yep. later with Texas that became just like a repeated pattern, but it was the first time it happened. So it was insane. And it was the biggest, like the biggest blown lead they had of all the games that they had moving forward of that. That game was, and Spencer Rattler gets benched so long. Heisman hopes here comes Caleb. willing like, That game was a little bit crazy and awesome. Uh, That's a really good Another
0: one to add to the list that I think set the tone for the entire conference was that West Virginia-Oklahoma game at the beginning of the year. Mm. Um, Absolutely phenomenal defensive game that really kind of shut down what both of those teams thought they could do offensively uh, and really just set the tone for the fact that this was a defensive conference the entire year. I was going back and looking. I was just like, I actually kind of forgot that game happened because Oklahoma was able to pull it out late. But then going back and thinking about it, like when I was watching that one, that's the first time that I was like, "Okay, this conference is going to be insane, and we're going to have a lot of games that are going to look super ugly, but are probably actually pretty cool if you like defense."
1: All right, so I've got a list of seven so far. We've got Bedlam, Kansas, Texas, OU, Texas, Kansas, Oklahoma, Iowa State, Texas Tech, Baylor, Oklahoma, and West Virginia, Oklahoma. So that's seven. We could add three more. I, I guy, I feel like I set you guys up a little bit here because I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring something up. Um, I love that. People were pointing out that the top most watched games of the year at the end of the regular, at the end of the championship weekend, you know, the Big Twelve title game, which featured not Oklahoma or Texas, was the eighth most watched game of the year in the Big like period. Obviously, it had some playoff stakes. You know, it was a big game. Uh, it wasn't up against a lot of competition because it was at eleven a.m. Oh, look, an eleven a.m. game worked in your favor, and no one bitched about it uh, or ran to another conference because of it. But I'm gonna play devil's advocate here and just kind of point something out here. Of these seven we've listed, one, two, three, four, five, six of them include either Oklahoma or mm. Texas. Here's my question for you. How much of that was because it included Oklahoma or Texas doing something losing or having something happen to them moving forward in this big twelve? What are going to be our games like? How are we going to decide? Because we love watching OU or Texas struggle. We love watching those those games and beating Oklahoma and Texas. There's so much pride from that. When OU or Texas are gone, where does the where does the pride fall to? Where do, how do we create the games where? It's not one or two a year because they had such a big impact on the conference standard or something. Where where are we going to create games of those magnitudes that don't include Oklahoma? Are you Texas?
2: underestimating the ability of Big 12 fans to hate your school? <laughs> no, is that no. what you're doing right no, now? Really? Hey, <laughs> no, really? No,
1: no no, 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 hold, no, no, hold on, hold hey, on. Look, Philip. Farmageddon it. is going to be the new great no, rivalry no, of the Big 12. Well. Okay, Farmageddon you are underestimating
0: amazing. the power of the butt bowl. Hey, thank you, Andy.
1: What Come the on. hell? <laughs> like The branding is already
0: there.
2: <laughs> Bubble is going to get even more stupid yeah. with McGuire going to Lubbock. It yep. is going to get extremely stupid, and I'm very here for it. And Man. it's home and home now. It's so oh, much, better. so much better, so much better.
1: Finally, finally, look, wh- Houston West Virginia is going to be must watch every single Saturday because West Virginia fans are going to love to just hate on Dana Holgerson for leaving mm. them to go to Houston. Look, that's um, the other thing like, too. That's gonna BYU be great. Baylor
0: is going to be absolutely fantastic. I mean, they already hate yeah. each other enough. Um, BYU, t- BYU well, TCU, TCU awesome, BYU, right? because exactly. they used to
1: play each other. Um, you oh, add oh. In,
0: I mean, you add in Cincinnati, Iowa state. I think it's going to be a good, a good matchup Ooh. and it's going to be a spicy rivalry for a while. Um, fickle yeah, versus, I mean, uh, versus there's, uh, there's uh, Campbell, two guys who will never get
1: the Ohio state <laughs> job, but they're always going to hope that yeah, they I mean, do.
0: I think it's going to go from having basically two main figures in the conference that everybody, hates how much attention they get and is rooting for them to do badly while also secretly hoping that they do well enough that the rest of the conference gets respect to we're going to have a whole bunch of really fun games that people are going to actually evaluate on the quality of the game, as opposed to whether something bad happened to a team Mm, that they don't like. Bravo. Bravo.
1: Bravo. I, I, I felt like I was like, I'm going to set them up because I know where this is going to go, but I want to see what their responses are. And these were excellent. This is, that is a high note to end this on. If ever there were Andy, I'm so proud of you. This is like the first time you've ever brought us to a, a, a positive conclusion on an episode of the 10, 12.
0: <laughs> I'm going <I'm> to take <laughs> offense at that.
1: Andy, I love you. No,
0: okay, you're look, not. look, I did a little bit <laughs> of everything. Okay. I shut the <laughs> podcast down for a good 10 seconds with a point that I made. And then we ended it on a very great note. So this is, a, I guess this is an Andy episode. Although I I I guess most go. of them are, from what I understand.
1: Is that the name we've been we've been testing names for this podcast? Maybe this should just be called the the. As, as long as
0: people don't uh, equate it to a Meg episode on Family Guy, then I'll be okay. <laughs> Which, of course, now they will because I said that. So
3: yeah. yeah, you put it out there.
0: And Andy is our Meg. Good job. <laughs> what am right. I done? Uh,
1: guys, this is... so good. Just start. Wait. Just wait till I start using Jamie's uh, Ames as a cesspool audio clip that that i have of hers that she doesn't remember i know i'm so excited. somehow start being incorporated into next year um the things that i save if you if you had any idea uh guys this has been awesome it's been great uh i'm gonna give you just a shot here um plug your show as each one of you has a podcast on the Ten Twelve network uh as i said we'll have one more 1012 podcast this coming thursday we'll make our picks pod with daniel uh and and uh, chris Uh, And then we'll take next week off for the holiday and then be back in 2022 to dive headfirst into basketball because it's basketball season. Uh, But let's let's do this in what is the circle for me, Jeremy, sir. uh, Any closing thoughts? And then uh, uh, hit that hit that plug. Yeah.
3: I mean, did we mention the West Virginia, Iowa State game in our list of games? I can't remember the list because there was so many. Hey, didn't. we did. not There's room that, for it. I was thinking about that. That that's that was one of my games, Big 12 games of the year, because West Virginia for the past three years had been getting mollywopped by Iowa State, and they decided to come out and after three really tough quarters, put together the best offensive quarter, uh, offensive football performance they've had all season to beat Iowa State, and that was a big win for West Virginia. Um, yeah, Tortilla Takes podcast. I mean, this is top commentary on Texas Tech. There's a thousand Texas Tech podcasts out there, but we are the best. Uh, and of course, we're part of the 1012 network, so it's even better. But we are keeping the uh, the corn and the flour debate alive. Oh. Come alongside Albie, Dylan, and myself to talk about all things Texas Tech, along with our great graphic designer and co host, Kenzie. Um, and we'll keep you updated on what it means to be a Red Raider.
1: It, it's corn. It's always corn. Like. It is not always corn.
3: It's not
0: always corn. It might <laughs> usually be corn, but it's not always But it's
3: not always corn. Damn it, Andy. That, you're my favorite, man.
0: Street tacos are always
1: corn. Burritos are mostly flour. It's fine. Whatever. Andy.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, follow me over on Twitter at Rock Chalk Pod for the Rock Chalk Podcast covering everything Kansas. I think we're actually the only Kansas podcast that actually talks about everything related to KU, which is really, really weird. But, uh, you know, we we have some potentially exciting changes coming up uh, for the new year. I'll definitely keep you guys apprised on that. But uh, I'm looking forward to some big things coming up this year. And of course... With basketball happening, it's always a great time to listen about KU and all that fun stuff. So, yep, that's it. Rock Talk Pod. Check it out if you haven't already. And if you haven't already, then what the heck are you doing? I, I
2: don't really have anything intelligent to share, which is going to lead directly into the plug for Between Two Bears. Um, instead of, like, <laughs> telling you what Evan and I do, I'm just going to read off some of our episode titles because they, they kind of <laughs> just – They encapsulate what we really like to do. So uh, episode one, Cougar sous vide. Uh, And then we have that feeling when Dinah blows her horn. Step monkey, what are you doing? I think Oklahoma football gave me a UTI. Uh, and then Oklahoma State Microwave uh, is in there as well. So um, we really like to celebrate how stupid this sport is and how stupid college sports is in general. There's so many funny and dumb things that happen. We really like to focus on that aspect of it. If you're looking for X's and O's and scheme analysis and breakdowns of the advanced stats, we don't want you here. Go somewhere else. But between two bears, um, we have a lot of fun over there. Baylor, Baylor oriented, but only some of the time.
0: I was going to say, if that's the only thing they want, then you don't want them there. But if they can enjoy that, but also enjoy all the schadenfreude that happens in college football.
2: I don't think I stuttered. No. I, I think if you like smart things, we don't oh want God. you. I think, oh I think you want to go somewhere else. I did not yeah. stutter.
0: Crap, that that no, to stop no. listening.
2: Yeah. Sorry.
1: Uh, Look, let's just say that we have a very well-balanced collection of podcasts. Not Kimick. provide a very (laughs) large array of personalities. Look, we got a whole, we got a stocked bar. That's what I'm saying. We're still working on, on, we got a few things we got to add to it. Obviously, as we head into 2022, and look to continue to grow this network to to fill out with coverage for every single team. That is the goal, is to have a podcast for every team. But I think um, what we have so far, what we have built, uh, including with, Matt and Evan of Between Two Bears and Andy with Rock John Podcast and Jeremy and Albie and the rest of the team at Tortillas and Takes, we have put together one hell of a podcast network that only cares about one thing and that is the big 12 conference i mean personal things but as far as sports go like do we talk about the sec yeah when we want to take a massive dump emoji right on top of them because that's what they deserve because they get too much talk anywhere else so uh, i love this network i love what we have built here Uh, we are now 10 strong and they're going to continue to grow next year yes Iowa State and Kansas State fans, we're working on it, but we got to do it right, okay? I'm not going to add a show to add a show. We're not going to bring in people to bring in people. The whole point of this is to bring in the best that we can, the best coverage for each school, because that's what your fans all absolutely deserve, uh, and you deserve variety, and so that's what we're going to provide. Um, to finish my final thought here, uh, we had eight games, Bedlam, Kansas, Texas, OU, Texas, Kansas, OU, Iowa State, Texas Tech, Baylor, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Iowa State. I am throwing in, sorry Matt, TCU, Baylor and Iowa State, Oklahoma State to round out our collection (laughs) of the top games for a variety of reasons. (laughs) We didn't
2: need to do that.
1: So that's a that's our top 10. I'm sorry, it is. I think it's the top 10 games from the season, so I'm going to put a little something together for that. Okay, make sure you subscribe to us, the 1012 Podcast, a part of the 1012 Network, of course. You can find all the shows at 1012network.com. That's T-E-N, the number 12 of the word network. I have not checked the link to make sure Chris is actually updated like he said he would. If he doesn't, don't worry. I get to talk to him on Tuesday and berate him until he actually does it. Uh, follow us on Twitter at 1012network, T-E-N, the number 12 the word network. Check out all of our sponsors. Uh, that is Homefield and Simple. Boys, it's been awesome. Everybody, we'll talk to you again on Thursday for the last show of the year. Talk to you then.
3: Podcast Network.